Hi, I'm Lisa Moore, one of the pastors here at GT Church in Victoria, BC. Welcome to our podcast. All of the content you'll find here is meant to point you to Jesus and to encourage you in your journey wherever you're at. Enjoy the message. Good morning, Coastline Church. How y'all doing today? Great to see you. Hey, that's a pretty epic bumper. I was really pumped as it started playing. I felt like I might be a superhero. You know, as we were in worship, I, I said this in the 9 a.m., but I also felt it again as we were just worshiping that uh, the Spirit is with us. The Holy Spirit is here. God is moving in this place, and he is calling some of you back to him right now. So don't miss out on what he's doing in your life. He's calling you back to him. He's actually motioning your heart and your mind to return to him. So don't give up on that call. That's all I'll say about that. You know, when I was a kid, my friends and I, we'd be at school and we'd head out to recess the best time of the day, right? Sorry, teachers. And uh, one of my favorite things that we would do is we would play superheroes. This was before the MCU was popular. You know, there was only the big three superheroes. Like, all the good superheroes were still deep in the comics that we didn't know about. Maybe you played this game too. Maybe you played superheroes. If you don't know how it goes, it kind of went like this. We would start by deciding which superhero we wanted to play, right? And usually it would start with Superman and Spider-Man and Batman, as I said, the top three. And if those three were gone, you would just kind of resort to picking whichever superpowers you thought were the coolest, which ones you'd want to have. And we'd start rattling through the powers. We'd be like, oh, I'm invisible. I can fly. I have superhuman strength. I can walk through walls. We'd be running through the playground and we'd be shooting fake webs at each other and laser beams at each other. But what would happen most often is we'd spend so much time preparing to be superheroes that it would take up the whole recess. 20 minutes isn't really that long and there were no damsels in distress coming. There were no world ending plots or mega villains or anything like that. We wouldn't even get into the who we were saving or why we were saving them. It was all just setting up and preparing to be super. The funny thing is, is that even though we never saved anyone, I only have fond memories of playing superheroes at school. Today, we're in our Heroes sermon series. We've been unpacking the radical faith of some of the Bible's greatest heroes. They themselves may not have been superheroes, But kind of like me and my friends on that playground, these heroes of faith actually didn't set out to be great. Many of them actually spent a great deal of their lives preparing for the work that God had for them. But in the end, God used them in powerful and unexpected ways. They they couldn't walk through walls or fly. They didn't have cloaks of invisibility or shoot laser, laser beams from their eyes. Most of them simply operated in obedience to the most high God. And this had a profound impact on both them and the world around them. Last week, Pastor Lucas talked about James, the half-brother of Jesus, a humble and gracious servant of our Lord Jesus Christ, who encouraged the church with his words. A man so moved by his relationship with Jesus that it changed the trajectory of his life. His example and his words still speak to us today. And our hero today is no exception. He was used powerfully by God as a herald of the kingdom, a prophet resembling the Elijah of the Old Testament, 
Today we're talking about John the Baptist, one of my favorites, one of Jesus' own relatives. We don't have time to really cover his whole life. We're going to kind of go in and out, but we'll see what we can learn from how he lived and begin to start applying some of the lessons that he brings to our own lives. And if you're taking notes today, the title of my message is Keep With It. Keep with it, and you'll see why in a minute. Accounts of John the Baptist's life are found in each of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So there's really no question as to whether or not he was active just before and during the time of Jesus on earth. We're going to camp on John's story in Matthew 3, verses 1 to 12. I'm going to read verses 1 to 6 first. If you don't have a Bible, there's one in the pew in front of you. I'm going to get mine ready here. Maybe you need yours or pull out your phone on your app. Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 to 6. Here we go. Are you ready? Okay, no one's ready. (laughs) I'm ready. I'm going to go for it. Here we go. In those days, John the Baptist came, preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. John's clothes were made of camel's hair, and he had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. People went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. Now, you might be wondering how John the Baptist got his name. It's pretty simple. He got his name from bringing a message of repentance to the people and baptizing them in the wilderness outside of Judea. In verse 1, Matthew begins with the words, in those days, and I don't know about you, but it gives me this like cozy story time feeling. In those days, it's like grandpa pulls up a chair, like come on, in those days, in the old days. I think it's actually important for us to have a bit of context about those days. What were those days like? In those days, the people were religious, but prophetic activity was found to be very rare among the people. The time between the last recorded prophet of the Old Testament, Malachi, and where we find the account of John the Baptist was a span of about four to five hundred years. That's a long time, friends. It's a long time where not much happened prophetically. God wasn't speaking directly to his people through prophets. And at the same time, this is happening as well, the Jewish people were awaiting their Messiah, their coming king, the one who would deliver them from their oppressors. And at that time, it was the Romans. And all of a sudden, from the wilderness, a man comes with a message. He looks like a prophet of old. He's speaking like a prophet of old. Matthew 3, verse 1 to 2 says, In those days John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. He has a prophetic message like the people of old. In Luke 3, verse 2, it says this, During the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. The long silence was finally broken as God gave someone a word. And it was a message for everyone. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Essentially, John was going around saying, it's time to get right with God because something new is happening. God is nearer than you know. So let's check out verse number three. 
He's describing John the Baptist's prophetic calling. This is he who is spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the wilderness. Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. John's solo mission was to prepare the way for the Lord, who we actually know would be Jesus, and to make straight paths for him, to prepare the atmosphere, the spiritual atmosphere of that region for their coming king. So John continues this ministry of calling people to repentance and baptizing in the wilderness. Verse four, John's clothes were made of camel's hair and he had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. And you might be wondering like me, why does John the Baptist sound like he's a hipster on a new agey diet, you know? Why was John the Baptist such a peculiar man? And just like some of our favorite superheroes of the day, we have to go back to his origin story to really find out why. If we go back, John's father, Zechariah, was a priest in the temple. And one day, an angel of the Lord appeared to him. And we find this story in Luke chapter 1. Let's go there in your Bible. Luke chapter 1. We're jumping around a little bit. Verse 11 Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, that's Zechariah, John's dad, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. He was doing his priestly duty. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of who? Elijah, to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous and to make a people prepared for the Lord. And you could read on in Luke chapter one and you would see that it comes true. John was filled with the Holy Spirit before he was born when his mother Elizabeth meets Mary, the mother of Jesus. See, John's mission and his calling were set before he was even born. And even as he begins his ministry, His demeanor, his clothing, his message, the way that he lived were reminiscent of the prophet Elijah in the Old Testament. Look at how Elijah is described in 2 Kings chapter 1, verse 8. He had a garment of hair and he had a leather belt around his waist. Sounds pretty familiar, right? I want to add up some things here. We're taking into account the context of John's surroundings, the lack of prophecy in the years past, the angel appearing to his father, Zechariah, with a message. And then years later, John comes and resembles an Old Testament prophet like Elijah preaching in the wilderness. We can see with all this information that John was chosen to usher in a new era of prophetic activity in Israel. I like to think of it this way. John was on the cutting edge of the greatest revival to ever happen on the earth. He was the one preparing the way for the Lord to send his one and only son, Jesus, as a sacrifice for us all, once and for all, to pay the penalty for our sins and to conquer death. Sounds pretty good. It's still still happening today. Amen? 
You can tell from John's outfit and his diet even that he didn't set out to be famous. He didn't live in the wilderness to prove to people that he could be the perfect Instagram influencer. He took the path of a Nazarite and avoided wine and fermented drinks. He chose kingdom over comfort. He chose the kingdom cause over his own advancement. And instead of choosing his own way, he chose to prepare the way. God gave him a name, John, and he was filled with the Spirit for a specific purpose and calling. So that was his background. That was the climate in those days. This morning, I want to continue to share John the Baptist's story through verses 7 to 12 in Matthew 3. There are two lessons that I want to share with you today that I can find from John's message to the religious leaders of that day. The first lesson is this one. The message of repentance applies to everyone, then and now. John's message of repentance applies to everyone, then and now. Verse 7. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees, that's the religious elite, coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not think you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The ax is already at the root of the tree, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. See, the religious leaders of that time, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, actually heard about someone sharing a message in the wilderness, and they went out to see what was happening naturally. But they also wanted to receive John's baptism. But when they get there, he rebukes them. He calls them a brood of vipers. You slippery snakes, he says. These religious elite believe that simply being born in the right family, having Abraham's family line, would bring them access to salvation. And if they kept themselves ceremonially clean, they would receive grace and cleansing from God. But John is essentially telling them, no, It's not enough. They have to produce fruit in keeping with repentance. This is where I kind of stole the title for my message today, keeping with it, keep with it. John told them that they had to bear fruit in keeping with repentance, keep with it. Oftentimes we equate repentance with simply confessing our sins. And yes, repentance does include confessing your sins, But the biblical notion that we find of repentance is more about thinking again or rethinking the way that you live. Repentance is about changing the way that you live in an observable way. People can see it. Turning away from sin and moving towards our God. I hope you're catching on to what's happening here in the story. John's saying to the religious establishment of the day that it's not enough to be religious You have to repent. They had to actually rethink their methods. They had to change the way that they were living. They were experts at religion, but they didn't take proper care of their relationship to God. And I think these words still speak to us today. As Christians, we have the responsibility to produce fruit in keeping with repentance. We have to keep with it. Our relationship with Jesus isn't just about religious activities and ceremonially clean living. 
If coming to church is the only part of our Christian lives, we've missed out on an abundant, life-giving relationship with Jesus Christ. Come on. We would be wise to follow John's encouragement to keep with it. Verse 10, I'm so struck by John's warning. It's very graphic. The ax is already at the root of the trees and every tree that doesn't produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. Bad trees just don't make it. They're chopped down and thrown into the fire and a tree will be known by its fruit. So let me be clear today. The way you live your life impacts your fruitfulness. That's what we see in this passage. The way you live your life impacts your fruitfulness. Think about it this way. A tree doesn't bear fruit for itself. I asked my wife, she said it's true, okay? It's true. Here's some examples. Apples or apple trees don't eat apples, right? Strawberry bushes don't eat strawberries. And if we follow John's analogy of the fruit tree, it means that you and I are not the main beneficiaries of a repentant, fruitful life. Our fruit is also our message. This idea actually changed the way I think about my spiritual life in Christ. The way we live shows people who Christ is to us. We have to keep with repentance. We have to produce fruit in keeping with repentance. So I want to take a moment right now. Think about your own life. I want you to answer these following questions. There's no right or wrong answers, okay? Maybe there is. We'll see. When you look at your life right now, what kind of fruit are you producing? Do you have hopelessness and fear, anxiety, worry, a lack of faith, mistrust in God? Or do you see the fruit of the Spirit, the Galatians 5, fruit of the Spirit? Do you see love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control? It's really easy to see what kind of tree you're looking at when you can see its fruit. And if you don't like how you answer those questions, you know what? Today there's hope for you. God is calling you towards him in repentance today to think again, to change your mind, to change your direction and move away from sin and move towards him. And if that's you today, I want to pray for you at the end of my message. The good news, the amazing news is that when we turn to Jesus, when we confess our sins and turn away from them, he is faithful to forgive us. Thank you, Jesus. When you approach him with a repentant heart, he doesn't just see a bad fruit tree. He sees the person he died to save. You know, someone needs to hear this today. He sees you for who you are, not just what you've done. He sees you for how he created you, not by what you think you've become. We don't approach Jesus in repentance out of fear. We approach him because we know that he loves us and that he has a better way forward for us. And if you think today that you're too far gone for repentance, you're believing a lie because God is calling you back to him once again. The message of repentance applies to everyone, then and now. 
any time in your life, you can turn away from sin and move towards God. So this is the first lesson from John's ministry that I wanted to share with you today. Today we're talking about heroes of faith. John the Baptist came with a prophetic message of repentance to pave the way for Jesus. He challenged the religious notions of his day and he called the Pharisees and Sadducees forward in repentance. And the second lesson that we learn from John's ministry is that we live in the service of someone greater than us. You and me, we live in the service of someone greater than us. Listen to John the Baptist's words in Matthew 3, verses 11 to 12. He says to those Pharisees, I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear the, his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. After me comes one who is more powerful than I. At this point in his ministry, it's not that John knew his own relative Jesus would be the one he is referring to, but what he did know was that he was called to be less than him, one whose sandals he was not worthy to carry. And in those days, it was a slave's job to carry their master's sandals and put them on their feet. So here, John is really saying, I am less worthy than a slave to carry our Lord's sandals. Talking about a hero who wasn't aiming to be one. John's humility really was the tool that he used to make straight paths for the Savior. He used his life and his prophetic authority not to make himself famous, but to serve the Lord. And in a world where you and I are conditioned to be greater than the people around us, we would do well to approach the world just like John did, to make straight paths for Jesus. Have you ever had someone in your life who constantly tries to one-up you? Come on. <laughs> Don't put up your hand or anything. You've probably met this kind of person. No matter what you've done or what you've accomplished, or what you've seen, this person has done or accomplished or seen something better. They're the kind of person that when you tell them you had a bad sleep, they turn to you and they say, ha, that's nothing. I haven't slept well for a month. <laughs> All right, man. Whew. Or you tell them about a recent trip you took to see the largest donut in the world, and they tell you that it was actually their uncle's great friend's son who made the donut. You know, these are trivial examples, and I love donuts. Come on. <laughs> the truth is that nobody likes a one-upper, right? Nobody. And I know that none of us in here are one-uppers, right? Come on. <laughs> when I study the life of John the Baptist in the Gospels and how he prepared the way for Jesus, it really seems that he's constantly being one-upped by Jesus. He lived in the shadow of Jesus. And if you read the Gospels, you'll see both men had miraculous birth stories. Crazy. An angel foretold that John the Baptist would be a prophet of the Most High God. But do you know what happened? An angel foretold that Jesus would be the Son of God. 
John was filled with the Spirit in his mother's womb. Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit. John's birth proclaimed by his neighbors and relatives. Jesus' birth was proclaimed by the angels. Jesus is proclaimed as the Messiah, the Savior of the world from birth, and John would never be able to fulfill the hopes of Israel for their long-awaited Messiah. But he was anointed and filled by the Spirit to prepare the way for Jesus and his ministry. Talk about one-ups, right? In every single way, Jesus was greater than John the Baptist. The amazing thing is that this didn't seem to phase John whatsoever. He remained humble. He remained available to God. He continued his ministry of preparing the way without the need for accolades. He knew that his mission would open the door for something and someone greater. His ministry didn't lead to accolades or a higher pay scale. You know what actually happened to John? Soon after he began his ministry, he was thrown in prison and then beheaded. His death wouldn't save the world from its sins like Jesus's did. Instead, John's death simply provides us a testimony of a life committed to being in the service of someone greater. I want to share with you one thought in conclusion. John the Baptist was filled with the Holy Spirit to pave the way for Christ. And you and I, we are filled with the Holy Spirit to point the way to Christ. We may not be as heroic or epic as John the Baptist. We might not have belts made of camel hair or wear camel hair and wear belts made of leather and eat wild honey and locusts in the desert. But in a way, you and I have the same calling as John the Baptist did. He pointed forward to Jesus' death and resurrection. And you and I, we point back to Jesus' death and resurrection. He used his whole life, his vocation, to point forward to the coming Savior. We can do the same thing. We can use our lives as a testimony of Jesus Christ's saving grace. We may not be fit to carry Jesus' sandals, but we are fit to carry his message. The message that the kingdom has come near. The message that Jesus gave his life for us so that we can be free from the power of sin and death. Amen. We need to realize today that the same spirit that filled John the Baptist in his mother's womb is the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead, is the same spirit that lives in you and in me, the Holy Spirit. So why are we filled with the spirit? What does it mean? Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. We are filled so that we can be witnesses of what Jesus has done in our lives and in the world. And this is why keeping with repentance is so important. We live our lives with the fruit of repentance so that we can continue to reach out to others with the message of the gospel. The life of someone who follows Jesus Christ 
has to be a changed life. We live our lives in service to the most high God, the one who is and will always be greater than us. So I want to pray for you today as we do this. There are two groups of people I want to challenge or pray for today. Maybe you're in the first group I talked about. Those are those who, or these are the people who really get a sense from the Lord that they need to repent and turn away from their old way of living. Maybe that's you today. It's time to rethink the way that you're doing things and come into alignment with Jesus' will for your life. So in a minute, I'm going to pray for this group. But there's another group, a second group that I want to pray for today. And that's anyone here today who wants to be filled with the Holy Spirit so that you can continue to be a witness for Christ in your everyday life, in your office, at home, with your friends, in your school, wherever you find yourself. Remember that the message of repentance is for everyone then and now, and that we have an opportunity to share this life with others. So I want to pray for you today. All across the room, maybe you want to close your eyes. No looking around. Just want to create a prayerful space. If you're in that first group, you're saying, Chris, I need to turn back from my way right now. I need to rethink the way that I'm living and turn towards Jesus Christ. Would you raise your hand all throughout this place if that's you? No one's looking around. Thank you. Yeah, I'll take just a moment here. I'm going to pray for you. Thank you for stepping out in boldness to put your hand up. I want to turn back from the way that I started going. So Lord Jesus, I pray for each person who raised their hand or who wanted to raise their hand but didn't. God, you are calling them back to yourself right now. We believe that in Jesus' name. We confess, Jesus, that we were wrong. The way that we were living was wrong. And we turn back to you right now, Jesus. Forgive us for those sins. God, would you bring us back into alignment with your spirit, with the will that you have for us. God, I pray for each person that raised their hand right now, that you would give them a blessing of closeness with your spirit right now. God, that they wouldn't be filled with shame or guilt, but they would be filled with your love, your kindness, grace, and mercy that is for them today. Thank you for that, Lord. Maybe you're in the second group and you'd like to be filled with the Holy Spirit. No one's looking around still. Maybe you want to raise your hand right now and I'll pray for you. You're saying, Holy Spirit, fill me. I want to be a witness to what I've seen. I want to be a witness of what you've done on this earth. And God, I want to be a witness of what you've done in my life. Yeah, I see that. Thank you. Just give one more minute if there's anyone else. Yeah, thank you. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much that your spirit is with us today that you've called each person in this room to be an ambassador for you. I pray for each person who raised their hand right now. Holy Spirit, would you come? Fill them. Fill their whole lives with abundant life. Fill them overflowing with the news of your gospel, the good and perfect news. 
God, would they be examples to the people in their lives, to their family, to their friends, to the ones they love and to the ones they know, even the ones they may not know, would you reach out through them? God, would you raise up in our church people who seek after you, not just for our own benefit, but for the benefit of the world who doesn't know you? We need you, Lord Jesus. God, I thank you for each person in this room. No person here is here by accident. No person watching online is watching by accident. God, you are speaking. Would you open our hearts to that message? Thank you so much, God, that you are with us, that you care about us, that you know us, and that you've called us to greater things. In your holy name I pray, amen. Amen.